Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Judy Miller. She is author of the new book, Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. Judy Miller was a highly successful CPA and corporate finance executive who, unknown to her coworkers, lived in terror of the night and the possibility of sexual assault. Happily married with children, her fears made life a modern-day nightmare, but worse, she had no idea why. There was nothing in her own personal background that would warrant this near-constant state of fear. In her new book, Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation, she relates the extraordinary path she took to discover the roots of those fears. It's an amazing journey that Judy was guided to take that brought the exact right people together in the exact right order to right a wrong committed decades ago before her birth, but which left its shadow on her soul. Today, you'll hear from her about the spiritual journey and the unfolded, excuse me, the spiritual journey that unfolded, which opened her heart, enabled um, forgiveness across multiple generations and showed her the perfection of all that we are. For more information, you can visit Judy's website, which is judymiller.net, and that's J-U-D-I Miller.net. Okay, with that, uh, welcome, Judy. It's great to be here, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be a, a it's going to be fun hearing your story. <laughs> it is a very interesting <laughs> story, and, and and I think um I think the listeners will will learn a lot. So, um I guess the the first place to start is as I mentioned in the introduction about you know being a, a CEO or excuse me CPA and a finance executive to doing what you are now. So that's quite a um different um, journey. So can you tell us a little bit about um, about yourself, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit more than what I introduced to you as, and also why you decided to write this book, Perfect? Sure. I'd love to share it with you and your listeners. So I was actually born in Trinidad, which is actually in the Caribbean, and I moved to the United States when I was very young. Um, I, when I, I felt different as a child. I looked different than other people in my neighborhood, and this book is not about race or discrimination. I just felt different. I was also born with 11 fingers, and I had the ability to sense and feel spirits, especially at night. And because I felt different, I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I had to hide myself. Um, As you mentioned in the introduction, I started my career as a CPA, and I worked in the finance area for a healthcare company for over 20 years. But because I felt different and because I felt like I was nothing, I felt I always had to prove myself. But Robert, on this journey that I described in Perfect, I found that in the nothingness, we could actually be anything that we want. So what I mean by that is when we drop the stories, the labels, and the judgments, we could all truly arise and show up as our true and authentic self. And as I looked out into the world, I see so many people hurting 
um, that I felt compelled and drawn to really write and share the story so people could also, you know, experience the perfection of who they are as well. Yeah, you know, I one of my favorite um, lines is, or that is, is that in, you know, in the state of chaos, anything is possible. So I mean, it, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, there is just you're wide open to possibilities. It's a time I think that um, uh, brings awareness in people that there are a whole lot of different possibilities that they may not have thought of before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'd love to ask you three questions and your listeners three questions. Okay. So the first one Go is the first one, similar to my introduction. So the first one is: Have you ever felt different, like you didn't belong, or yeah. maybe you, you felt incomplete? Mm-hmm. And you can answer definitely. I wasn't sure if you were going to answer out loud or not. I was. Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. Or that's. I mean. Or. Mm-hmm. Or have you ever felt um, incomplete, always searching for someone or something to make you feel whole? Hmm. Or maybe you were like me. Or maybe you were like me. You felt unworthy, always having to prove yourself over and over again. So I didn't mean to cut you off, Robert, but I'd love to hear your answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the second one about someone or something to be complete, um, I don't, you know, that I'm, I'm sure there have been times, you know, that, that that has been the case. Overall, I, you know, I would say generally not. But, but you know, and, and then with the, the last one, as far as worthiness, I think, um, gosh, yeah, I think we all have <laughs> points of that, you know, that uh, you know, we wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate your openness and honesty. And, and the reason I ask these questions to you and your listeners is because these feelings literally have plagued me for most of my life, as I mentioned in my introduction. But I learned how to let them go. I learned how to experience true and ultimate freedom and happiness. Um, so in the introduction, you said that the subtitle to my book is A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. And people ask me, what does forgiveness actually mean? And uh, one of the things that I've discovered is that there are so many different definitions of forgiveness. But for me, it's really, really simple. It means to forego or to let go of. Um, So painful and wanted events are going to happen in everyone's lives. And we could either experience that event once or we could experience it over and over again, literally hundreds, even thousands of times until it becomes stuck. It literally becomes stuck in our bodies. And um, forgiveness for me is really just letting go of those contracted negative stories so we could really truly move forward in our lives. And uh, if you will allow me, I'd love to share, kind of give you a high-level overview of how I've come to that understanding. Yeah, I would absolutely like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So um, as a child, I had fears, and I know that many children have fears. One of my fears was actually the fear of drowning. Um, The other fear that I had was more of a terror I had a terror of the dark and the terror of the night. And I think it was because I could sense and feel these spirits, and I never knew if they were there to help me or to harm me. And sometimes people ask me, you know, what does it feel like? And and some people may have felt terror in their lives, and and for those that may not have, um, the easiest way for me to describe it is if somebody jumps out in front of you unexpectedly, and, you know, your heart starts to race, and your palms start to sweat, and your your senses literally are on full alert. For most people, I think those sensations last maybe just a few seconds. But for some people, they could actually last quite longer. 
And, and for me, I was one of those people. So as I mentioned at night, I could sense and feel these spirits, and I didn't know if they were there to help me or harm me. And it was very confusing as a child. Um, so literally, night after night, I would crawl into bed, pull the covers over my head, and I would literally recite the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again until exhausted, I would fall asleep. Now, Robert, this was my ritual night after night. And this um, continued well into my 20s. Um, as you mentioned, I started my career as a CPA, so here I was going to work during the day and then at night crawling back into bed terrified about what I couldn't explain. And um, I met my husband in my 20s. We actually are both CPAs. I met him at work, and we got married, and I had kids. And in the exhaustion of raising two children, commuting three hours a day to work, working 40 to 50 hours a week, in that exhaustion, everything stopped. But then my kids grew up and they went off to college. And I know that many people could relate to this. My kids went off to college and the house became silent. And in that silence, everything returned. The energies, the spirits, the subtle whispers. It felt literally like somebody was standing beside me, behind me. There were eyes looking at me from across the room. And I would literally tiptoe around my house. I mean, it must have been interesting if you could, like, see through my window. But I was literally tiptoeing around my house, <laughs> afraid, afraid of what I might encounter. But I was also waking mm. up terrified at night, clutching at my husband. And soon we both began to lose sleep. So around that time, I actually started to bleed uncontrollably month after month, and I went to see my doctor, and she said that I needed to have a hysterectomy. And um, I mentioned that I started my career as a CPA, but then I went into the healthcare industry, and I had worked in the healthcare industry for well over 20 years. So modern medicine was something that I trusted implicitly, but I was terrified of this surgery. And, and Robert, the terror felt like the same terror that I had as a child and the same terror that returned to me as an adult. Um, so I couldn't explain why I was afraid. And a friend of mine suggested that I read a book called light emerging by Barbara Brennan. And, uh, if you're not familiar with the book, Barbara was actually a former NASA physicist and she studied the human energy field and what she learned by what she found, she was able to actually heal people with her hands. And I'd never heard of anything like this. So literally days before my surgery, I found myself Googling healers near me. And Robert, as I sat across from my healer for that very first time, I'm actually extremely auditory. I literally heard the click of a lock, like everything was locking perfectly mm. into place. And as I get to the end of the story, you'll see that everything did lock perfectly into place. But at the time, I didn't know the role that that healer would play in my family's history. So I worked with my healer. She helped me heal after my hysterectomy. And then we started to explore these fears that I had as a child, especially with this terror at night. Um, so we actually looked at some of my childhood experiences to see if anything had triggered it, but nothing came to light. Then she introduced me to past lives, and past lives was something that I had never heard of. She introduced me to the mm. work of Dr. Brian Weiss. Um, and if anyone's not familiar with Dr. Weiss, um, he was a prominent psychiatrist. Um, he actually studied at Columbia and Yale, so he was very prominent in his field. She also introduced me to the work of Dr. Michael Newton as well as Dolores Cannon, and I was fascinated by these people who had these past life experiences. So I found myself at uh, one of Dr. Brian Weiss's seminars, and he said that over 50% of the people in the audience would actually have a past life experience. And I was amazed because there was literally thousands of people in that auditorium, and I was sure that I was going to have a past life experience, but 
Robert, uh-huh. I fell asleep. I slept through the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little disappointed, but uh, uh-huh. I did have a subsequent uh-huh. past life uh, session, which I'll share with you shortly. But uh, so Mahil and I then also started to explore, um, you know, our DNA, things that we inherit from our parents. And we all know that we can inherit certain physical traits, you know, like our hair color, um, our eye color, et cetera. But we also started to talk about the science of epigenetics, which is a relatively relatively speaking, new, type, new science. Um, but the science of epigenetics shows that we could actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents and our ancestors. And they've actually done studies with Holocaust victims. Um, there's been a recent study with mice, actually. They introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to the mice and then gently zapped the mice on the foot. So, Robert, as you can imagine, after a while, just the smell of cherry blossoms triggered this fear and the panic in the mice, even though they didn't get zapped. But what was amazing was that their children and their children's children, just the scent of cherry blossoms triggered that fear. Even though they had never been zapped, they'd never been exposed to the father that was zapped. Um, So this was all very fascinating. What was uncovered was that this pain and this trauma that I felt every night actually wasn't my own. It was actually inherited from my mother. It was a cellular memory from my mother. But, the, but, Robert, the story doesn't end there. It does get more interesting. There's actually a shocking past life connection to that very healer that I trusted to heal me. And in that moment of revelation, and I don't want to give away too much information because I do want people to pick up the book and read it because it is very interesting. In that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear. I could have felt anger. I could have felt betrayal, but I didn't. What I felt was love, the immense love and perfection of the universe. And I saw how our, all of our souls and our stories all weave together in this lifetime and in every other lifetime. And I saw the perfection of the universe and who we are. And that's where the name perfect actually came from. Wow. That, that is quite a story. I mean, it is. Um, uh, boy, I don't even know where to begin. Um, the... the Idea of um, you know when the you know with with the silence you know when you were talking about the kids kind of going away and then the silence and the things started um, kind of showing up appearing for you. Um, can you um, maybe um, apply what happened you know for you in that silence to what a lot of people might be going through right now? You know, in the, in the the isolation and the um, just the, the limited interaction with people and people staying at home, you know, kind of because um, they may be experiencing it too. So, kind of like, what what mm-hmm. were what were some of the signs, and, and is this and is this something to be nurtured? You know, um, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, I have uh, two parts to to answer that. The first one is. One of the reasons, um, and I describe it throughout my book, one of the reasons why I had different multiple spiritual experiences, which I can definitely share with you, was because at the time of my surgery, I was open and I was vulnerable. I wasn't trying to explain everything in my mind. I was truly just open to feeling it and experiencing it in my body. And literally, that opened up a whole new world. Um, One of the reasons I tell people that I'm a CPA, and I'll probably share this with you also, my parents are both accountants, my sister is an accountant, and my husband's also a CPA. (laughs) So I I came, (laughs) yeah, very interesting. Talking about epic email. (laughs) (laughs) The reason 
I share that with people is because for most of my life, I lived it inside my head. And what I learned on this journey is that so often our thoughts and our stories aren't true. And, and through this experience, by being open, I truly learned to open my heart and to let these spirits and these guides in. So, so that's what enabled it for me. But, but specifically yeah. to answer well, your question, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, I, I, did, I did have a specific answer to your question. So one of the spiritual experiences that I had, I, I mentioned to you that I fell asleep during my first past life regression. So when my healer offered to do one in her office, I definitely jumped on the chance. Um, so I didn't have a past life experience, um, but the experience that I have I think is applicable to our times now. So as I laid there on the healing table, I literally felt myself rising, first through a series of colors, first, and, and then through like a purple haze, and then into this bright white light. Um, it was so overpowering, this overwhelming feeling of love just overwhelmed me. And it sounds so similar to many of the near-death experiences that I've heard from people where, you know, they see this bright white light, they have this overwhelming sense of love, but I was totally alive. <laughs> so it was an interesting experience. But as I merged into this light and this feeling of love, the message that I got is we can all come home. All we have to do is love and accept who we are exactly as we are. All we have to do is remember the joy is in the reunion and in the remembrance. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because during COVID-19, like you said, so many of us are being forced home into isolation. But Robert, I don't think that isolation, that feeling of loneliness and isolation is not because we're isolated from each other. I believe isolation and loneliness often Mm. is because we've become disconnected from the creator, the God of our understanding, and we've become disconnected with our true eternal self, which is love. Um, So my, my recommendation for people is basically it's our opportunity to reconnect with who we truly are. So many of us have abandoned ourselves. So what I mean by that is we're always taking care of other people. We're worried about other people. We're not here for ourselves. So during this time of COVID when we're home, now is our time for self-love and for self-care. We've abandoned ourselves, many of us, physically, mentally, spiritually. So I I invite you and your listeners, what are the things that you know that you haven't been doing and you've been neglecting? It's interesting because, you know, we often will not break a commitment that we make to other people but we break commitments to ourselves so easily. So I invite your listeners to, you know, what are the things spiritually, mentally, and physically that you haven't been doing where you haven't been taking care of yourself? Now is the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, kind of in line with the idea of reconnecting with who we are, um, you you, you mentioned stories a couple times um, and that – we sometimes live our lives according to our stories. So can you talk a little because the reason I ask that is I think that um, first let's talk about what stories are and then maybe is, is this um, isolation, this, this period, is this um, um, a sharp way of disconnecting to some of those stories you know, that we're talking about? So. First, would you mind sharing with the listeners the idea of 
our stories, you know, what, you know, stories we live or create, um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, you're coming from a family of CPAs. I mean, you can look at almost a lot of different professions, doctors, lawyers, you know, those kinds of things that, are, that seem, you know, that there's you know, some kind of um, link, you know, um, other than just basic biology, that, you know, that kind of um, is connected. So would you mind kind of talking a little bit about stories and, you know, um, you know, do they do they have, play a positive role, or or um, can they hold us back? So, t- talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so, in the forward to my book, um, Angelou's Arian is actually a cult- cultural anthropologist, and she said that um, in certain indigenous cultures, it's it's very important to share our stories with supportive and loving people, right? But no more than three times. Because after we repeat it more than three times, it literally becomes stuck. It becomes our story. It becomes our identity. So in these indigenous cultures, they actually, if you repeat your story more than three times, they take you and hang you over a cliff until you're willing to let go of the story and see the wisdom in the story. So the reason I'm sharing this with you, even though we're talking about stories, I'm using stories to illustrate certain things, is because it is sometimes important to share it with, you know, loving and supportive people, but we don't want to keep repeating it over and over again. Um, So another story I'm going to share with you, this is an old uh, Taoist fable. Many people may have heard of it. it. It's it's very old, um, about the farmer and his horse. Um, So the horse was his prized possession, and one day his horse runs away. And his neighbors come over to, to console him, to say, I'm so sorry that you've lost your prized possession. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, the horse, the, the horse comes back with 12 wild horses for the farmer to train. And then the neighbors come back over and say, wow, how, how fortunate you are. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, his son is training the horses, the wild horses, and he falls off the horse and he breaks his leg. And the neighbors come back over and say, I'm so sorry for your son. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, an army comes through the town to enlist all eligible men. And the son was spared because of his broken leg. And then the neighbors come back over and say, how fortunate your son was spared. And the farmer says, maybe. Um, So this story can go back and forth, you know, between supposedly good and bad events. But the reason I Mm -hmm. share it with you is just to illustrate the farmer refuses to label events as either good or bad. And because he doesn't label it as good or bad, he's able to weather life much easily, much more easily. And also, you know, in that moment and in that situation, yes, that, that event does feel painful. But when we take that thousand-foot view and see how everything weaves together, you know, we could see the perfection mm-hmm. in our experiences. So I'm going to get, start answering yeah. your questions. So I just wanted to kind of <laughs> give Rauk an overview. So um, I love to read. So if I quote lots of uh, writers, um, I, I, hope you I, I, that. I enjoy stories. <laughs> so Jill Bolte-Taylor is a Harvard neuroscientist, and she wrote My Stroke of Insight. And um, she was able to cure herself from traumatic brain injury. But what I find amazing in her story, she talks about how it only takes us 90 seconds to truly process an emotion or an event in our body. So when something happens, Robert, it only takes us 90 seconds to physically process that emotion in our body. And if if that event continues to remain with us more than 90 seconds, guess what? It means we started to create a story around it, right? So there's two paths. Mm -hmm. So you said, well, 
how do you how do you just experience an event as sensations in our body? So I truly believe that events and emotions are meant to be processed in our bodies. Emotions are meant to be felt. What a strange concept. Emotions aren't meant to be thought about in our head, which many of us do, and, and which I did for, for, for a large part of my life. So when an event happens, truly, truly feel it. Many of us don't feel those emotions. We're too afraid of it. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Sometimes that, that tension that we feel is merely because it's unfamiliar. But we need to yeah. allow that sensation and that emotion to literally process through our body. It only takes 90 seconds. Feel it. Acknowledge it. One of the things that I uh, teach is, um, so I mentioned in the beginning that, you know, for much of my life I felt different. I felt different than other people. And it literally felt like an elephant sitting on my chest. I couldn't breathe. So I acknowledged the feeling. I put my hand on my heart because that's where I felt it. And I would close my eyes. And, you know, your listeners, and you can do this as well, you know, is there something that you've been hanging on to that you wish you could let go of? Just close your eyes and put your hand wherever you feel that sensation in your body and just gently breathe in and out of that area. And if you do this a couple of times, you will start to realize and start to feel that emotion and that feeling start to dissipate. And I feel a lot of times we carry our stories because we don't acknowledge it. We try to stuff it away. We try not to feel it. And sometimes we just need Mm -hmm. to acknowledge it, breathe into it, and feel it. Um, but Robert, you know we are creatures of habit, right? <laughs> so so the, the reason I say <laughs> that is because we repeat our we repeat our stories over and over again. And and I've done it. I've done it. I I repeated the story that I was different. I repeated the story that I couldn't use my voice. Mm-hmm. I repeated the story that I wasn't enough. So when you do have those situations where you are habitually repeating your story, you need to scratch that record so you can't play it anymore. You have to really mm-hmm. disrupt it. And, and some of these techniques, you know, um, you may have heard, um, you know, people say cancel, cancel. So as, start, as soon as a negative thought, a negative story starts to come into their awareness, cancel, 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 clear. People put rubber bands on their wrists and they, you know, sling themselves. And, and to me, the reason I think that works, it gets them out of their head and into their body. But uh, another yeah. one that I love is zany crazy thing. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, I learned this from Tony Robbins years ago. Um, you know, when you start to repeat a negative story, and he illustrated this with, with uh, one of his participants, she started to talk about her husband, and she started to get very negative. So Tony picked up a glass of water and splashed it in her face. <laughs> she was totally <laughs> flabbergasted um, and surprised. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't upset with Tony because Tony's standing there laughing, smiling, you know, being very encouraging and very loving. So she just uh, thought he was a little crazy. And then she started to talk about her situation. And five minutes into the conversation, again, she's starting to talk negatively about her husband. She's starting to get into that negative cycle. Robert, can you guess what Tony did? He picked up another glass of water and splashed it into her face. So, So it just really started to create the awareness for her. So part of it is being aware of the stories that we're saying. So for me, observation creates the awareness that unlocks the understanding. And, and how I've applied this in my life, and I invite you and your listeners to apply it in their own life, is when I get into an argument with my husband, I do not pick up a glass of water, um, and neither does he. Uh, 
But what we what we've agreed to do, yes, I don't think it will work out quite the same way as it did with Tony and the participant. But what we've agreed to do is whoever remembers first reaches over and squeezes the other person's nose. And um, Robert, it makes me laugh. It gets me out of my state, my habitual pattern that I have to be right and prove myself right. So sometimes we need to create those those things to break up our stories. Absolutely. Well, gosh, we're about halfway through the show already, Judy, so we're just kind of zipping right through. I want to take just a quick break, and I do want to invite listeners, if you want to call in and ask Judy any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, um, feel free to type them in there. And then when we come back, Judy, um, I want to continue just a little bit more on the story and the idea of I know we're talking about disrupting, you know, and and recognizing the the destructive. So when we come back, I want to talk about how we create, you know, how how we, you know, we talked about disruption. So now that we disrupt, what do we replace that with? Okay? Great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today my very special guest is Judy Miller, and we've been talking about her new book, Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. Um, And again, you can find out more by visiting Judy's website, which is judymiller.net, and that's J-U-D-I Miller.net. Okay, Judy, we're back. Great to be back. Thank you. Great. Great. Okay, so, um, you know, we talked about, you know, the disruption of those stories, you know, the stories that that aren't, you know, good. Um, see, now you got me uh, examining the good and bad, you know, quant, you know qualification. <laughs> stories that we want to change, I would say, maybe. That, um, would that be a better way of of approaching story management or, or story writing? Sure. So um, in the example that I gave, so for me, what I do now is literally after the 90 seconds where I process an emotion, um, I literally just Mm -hmm. feel it and let it dissolve. My goal is not to create a story. 
but we do create stories as humans. Okay. So we have a choice mm-hmm. to make more empowering stories. So I'll just give you an example. So in the late 80s, Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he says, between stimulus and response is our greatest superpower, our power to choose. And for me, what that means is between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And in that gap, we get to decide. So, so Robert, exactly what you said. So in that gap, Mm -hmm. we get to observe and decide where we come from. So for me, all emotions fall into two broad categories, love and fear. Um, So we get to choose whether or not we come from a place of love or a place of fear, if we create a negative story, create a positive story, or create no story at all. So in that gap, we get to choose. Um, But as I mentioned before, observation creates the awareness that unlocks the understanding. So the mere fact that we have that space and we get to see if we're creating a story helps. And I'm going to give you some examples. So before I got on this show, I felt tightness in my chest, fluttering in my stomach. I felt dryness in my mouth, right? And some people might label that as nervousness. Some people might also label that as excitement. So the sensations in my body are exactly the same. It's just the label Mm -hmm. that I choose to put on that sensation. And um, I'm going to give you another example. So, so Robert, have have you ever cried? Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Have you ever cried because you were sad? Yes. Have you ever cried because you were happy? Yes. Same tears. Okay, so, <laughs> exactly, the same tears. And, you know, there's been different research about tears and, you know, how they're manufactured and what the, the substance that they're made of. But the research has actually shown that Tears of happiness and tears of sadness are actually made of the same thing. They spring from our body. They trigger the same reactions in our brain exactly the same way. Whether or not they're tears of happiness or tears of sadness is the stories and the labels that we give to it. Um, So in our experiences, it's how we label it. Another example, so I heard this in the uh, Brian Tracy seminar years ago. So there was a father and his family on the bus, and the kids were very rambunctious. Um, and some of the passengers were getting a little upset. They wanted to get to their destinations quietly and easily, but this family was being very disruptive. So somebody went politely to the father and said, could you kindly quiet down your children? And the father said, oh, I'm sorry. We just came from the hospital, and their mother had just passed away, and I was just giving them the opportunity to let out some of their energy. So, so Robert, see how quickly our perspective changes? Yeah. Yeah. It does. And, mm-hmm. and in... And, and our perspective on our stories can also change just as quickly um, because our stories, like our thoughts, aren't always accurate. Right. I'm going to give you another right. example, if, if you're okay with – if you're okay – sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I was going to say, you know, it is, you know, our, our responses to to that. Um, and and the, the thing is, is that um, – our journey, our day-to-day journey, our life experience is our story. So, um, I mean, I don't think one, you can divorce yourself of your story. Right. You're absolutely that, true. But would that be? Do, but, okay. But, but, right, but we have the choice, right? So in that gap, we have the choice right. to come mm-hmm. from a place of fear right. or from a place of love. 
Um, so right. I was I was write, I was writing my blog the other day, um, not too long ago, and I suddenly realized that I have been living most of my life in fear. Fear of being different, fear of being judged, fear of being incomplete, fear of being unworthy. And then I realized that when I drop all of that fear, all that's left is love. So love can definitely be a story. It could be a very empowering story. Um, so in that revelation where I realized that my healer was actually the very person that inflicted the pain on my family in a previous life, it would have been so easy for me to create a story of betrayal. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I experienced just love, right? And yeah, I, I mean, and I, as I say, you know, the, the, the idea of... Um, living life and impacting previous lives um, events. I guess what it does is, it, you know, you were talking about perspective. So it's, it's kind of like the, the in this particular like the third generation um, witnesses the event from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, I mean, it's just one of the, the idea. No, isn't there a like a Native American belief about our lives affecting seven generations previous and future? Um, something, something to that effect. That um, you know, whenever I heard that, it, to me, it just um, it means that the life that we're living is just so much more than this particular time period that we're breathing. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The Native American cultures say that our our trials and our triumphs, not just our trials, but our trials and our triumphs, go seven generations back and seven generations forward. And, and Robert, when I was healed through this experience, I've also seen the healing in my children as well. Um, so it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's um, and then you also think about it, healing in to the past, you know, to, to that particular um, time period event, you know, it's, it's contributing an energy to that particular event as well. To me, it's just fascinating, you know, and, and what you can do. Now, um, I didn't want to go too much further without talking a little bit more about the book. The fact that you, you have your book, book broken down into three parts, story, which we've been talking about, reflections, and exercises. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why you set up the book that way? Sure. So I had heard that people only read the first 19 pages of a book. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I did so, not. So actually, I'm going to look at my new perfect. book, the first 19 pages. <laughs> So make sure that 19, okay. first 19 pages is really good. So um, the, reason I, the reason I say that is because 90% of perfect is written like a novel, like a story that you okay. want to pick up and you mm-hmm. want to figure out how this actually ends. There's a lot of twists and turns and different things in the book. And so many people have told me that they've picked up the book and wanted to just read like the first couple of pages every day, landed up sitting there reading the entire thing. So that was the intention because – even though my story might sound a little unusual or uncommon, I believe that it holds a promise for us all. I believe that we could all learn from letting go of our stories. So that's the majority of the book. Then there's a handful of pages, maybe about 15, 20 pages, called Reflection. So what are the key lessons from the story that people can literally apply to their own lives so they can learn to let go of their stories? 
And then there are some handful of exercises that I've also included, and I purposely made them easy because I know how busy people are. But these exercises will help you embody the principles that are taught in the story. So I really meant it to be kind of a teaching tool, but also interesting as well. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I love um, books that provide um, exercises for people to be able to um, to put into practice. You know what it is that they're reading about. Um, now, um, there is a um, a topic in, in your book. Um, it kind of goes back to the story, but um, um, there's a phrase you use called um, take it to the body in, in regards to not creating the story. And, and I think maybe you referenced that a little bit back when you were talking about feeling into um, an emotion. Is that correct? Right. So I did talk a little bit about that, taking it to the body. In the book, it goes into a little bit more detail. I'm actually a certified energy codes facilitator for Dr. Sue Mortar. And um, basically what she teaches is that we have a central channel. It kind of goes through our different chakras in our bodies. It starts above our head. It goes through the center of our crown. It goes through our throat, the center of our heart, through our solar plexus, down through the center of our pelvis and into the earth. And by breathing up and down the central channel, we increase the life force within us. We open up our chakras. So if there is a trauma or pain in your body that's stuck and you feel that, what you can do is you can breathe up and down that channel and literally grab that area, imagine it, grabbing it and pulling it into that central channel and breathing up and down that channel. And you will begin to feel that sensation start to, um, to dissipate as well. So that's a more advanced version of what I was referring to before. Okay, that's great. Uh, so now, what would you say the um, the biggest, maybe lesson or two, that um, the journey has taught you from CPA Judy to energy worker author Judy? <laughs> that's that's a great story. I mean, a great question. Um, I I think. The thing for me was um, when I was recovering from my hysterectomy and I was laying in bed, and again, I was just open, I was vulnerable, um, I actually had an Irish guide come to me. And she would come and she would visit and she would sit beside me. And the message that she gave me I think is so important for all of us. But basically she said, we are never alone, we're never abandoned, we're always loved. If you knew who stood beside you, you would never be afraid. And, and Robert, if you knew that, would you live your life differently if you knew that all of the angels and the guides were there to help you? If you knew that you were always unconditionally loved, would you live your life differently? Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, does, yeah. it does take away <laughs> that idea of one being alone, you know, and that there's a, now for some people it, it's, um, it can be a challenge to, um, recognize that. Uh, so, for, you know, you, you mentioned for, you know, for you, you had, um, you saw, you know, or you had that ener energetic feeling. Um, for people who are listening, who, you know, maybe believe, but just maybe have a hard time, um, I guess they, they wouldn't believe. People like the idea of having someone around, but they just can't get over to that belief section. 
Um, uh, what would you say um, would be um, areas for people to keep an eye open for that would be a confirmation or a support of the idea that we have our guides right there helping us? Does that make sense? So many of us, yes, absolutely. So many of us experience coincidences. Um, for me, a coincidence mm-hmm. is basically the universe saying, hi, we're here. And uh, there were two coincidences in my book that proved that to me without a doubt. Um, so as I mentioned, um, my healer had a past life connection to my family. And I scheduled an appointment to see her to explain what I had just uncovered. And as I sat there, um, Googling, I was Googling her birthday, and it goes into why I was doing this. I was Googling her birthday, and it was the same day as our appointment. And it was exactly, the Google search came up, and it said it was exactly her birthday. So I was searching for her birthday on her birthday when our appointment was. Um, so there was no doubt in my mind that that was a coincidence. And then I picked an oracle card, and it happened to be her name. Um, so I believe the universe sends us signs all of the time. Many of them are coincidences that we say, but it's just their way of saying, hey, we're here. And it's also important to ask. Ask them you shall receive. Tell your guide, tell your angels that you would like a sign. Tell them how you want to see it. Um, somebody had told me that uh, when her father passed away, she asked for a sign of feathers. So when my dad passed away, I said, I would love to see feathers. And I used to see these baby feathers everywhere. But I think part of it is being asking and open to receiving. I think that's part of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, we all have different, all of our senses are different. So for some people, seeing or hearing or smelling or, or even touch, you know, sense of touch might be, um, you know, our you know, strongest sense to be able to kind of get that message. So um, it's all different. Now, one of the things I um, want to let people know is that on your website, which is judymiller.net, you have um, where people can um, put in their name and email address and receive a free copy of your e-book, Awaken the Creator Within. So tell us about that e-book and you know, eight ways to open your heart. Sure. So absolutely. Um, when listeners go to my website, it's my gift to them. Um, they can go on my free ebook, Awaken the Creator Within, and there's some exercises in there to start connecting with the essence of who you are. And uh, just briefly, everything in the world is energy, and I know, Robert, that you've heard this before. Um, everything is energy, even our thoughts. Scientists have been able to measure everything, our thoughts, our energy. So the first exercise is to move because we are energy. So many of us feel stagnated, and I did, feel stagnated and stuck in our lives. But you know something? It's because our energies aren't moving. We need to move because we are energetic beings. Um, The second exercise is to create because we are a creative life force. Um, We are made from the creator. We are a creative life force. And when we don't express that creativity, it also begins to stagnate and cause pain in our bodies as well. So I invite people to pick up things that they enjoy. It could be painting, singing. It doesn't have to be an original work of art. Now, as I mentioned, I used to be extremely busy, and I know many people are busy. So it could also be very simple. So as an accountant, I have to put together presentations all the time. 
So I use my creativity to express that in my presentation. It could be the food that I prepare for my family at night. It could be the way that I dress. And I say this because I know that many people have teenagers and that's how they express their creativity. (laughs) So it could be the way that we dress. It could be the way that we decorate our house. So you are a creative life force. So please create. And then the other one, um, just very quickly, is for most of my life, I struggled with my voice. I could not express myself. I would literally just freeze. Um, And I've been able to heal from that. And part of it is singing. My healer used to tell me to sing. Sing and let your spirit find its voice. And singing opens up our throat chakra. It also opens up our other chakras. Um, It's amazing. Uh, So I invite people to sing and let their spirit find its voice. So those are just three very simple ones. Um, But again, I do encourage people, it's absolutely free. Please go to my website. And then Robert also... Um, when they buy my book on my website, um, there's also free five bonuses for getting the book as well. Um, some, ver- some five top transformational, transformational leader on the Transformational Leadership Council. Um, so those are available for people when they buy the book as well. So lots of freebies. I love freebies, so I offer them as well. <laughs> Me too. Me too. That's why I wanted to make sure to point that out. Um, yeah, you know, when you're talking about energy um, and how we're all energy, I don't know if you or um, had seen, but there was a, a recent news um, segment that was that, that looked at uh, brain mapping and the they got to the point where the, just by comparing brain and energetic brain images that a computer was able to identify things such as envy, you know, the person thinking of, you know, envy, success, pain. I mean, they were able to identify emotions just by looking at the areas of the brain that were stimulated. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, it, we, we, you know, we think sometimes emotions are, you know, these nebulous kinds of things when, in fact, that they're very clearly, um, you know, energetic or electrical or, or combination um, reactions. Um, so, um, and, and, you know, I think it, it kind of goes back to the idea we can, you know, through our perception and that kind of thing, we can, we can shift um, if there's something not to our liking. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I haven't seen it, but I love that. Um, oh, you know, yeah, I was looking. Yeah. I was. I was. I uh, was looking and listening to some of your podcasts, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing. A lot of the things that you are talking about, science is catching up to, meaning that they've been able to actually prove a lot of it through science. Um, so it's not so far fetched. Yeah. It's, it's it's truly amazing. <laughs> I know, I know. It, to me, and, you know, it, it's, you know, the idea of it being, quote, proved through science is, is that it's, it's, you know, reaching the people who are skeptical, people who maybe not have not experienced coincidence, you know, um, or yeah, probably most people have, but a lot of people don't um, necessarily recognize it or, or give it its due, <laughs> you know, the fact that it's a, you know, it's just like a little hello and a little wink to you, you know, and whenever that happens to me, I just stop and say, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, quantum, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my, my daughter has actually shared this with me. So like quantum physics, you know, just the fact, just mm-hmm. the mere act of looking at something actually changes it. 
Um, you know, we've heard a lot about the law of attraction and, you know, how what we focus on grows more in our awareness. And, you know, that sounds great, but they've actually shown that scientifically um, that uh, photons actually, you know, rearrange based on the thoughts of what we're thinking. Um, so it's, it's pretty incredible. Right. Like I said, science, right. science is yes. finally catching up. <laughs> I know. Now, see, and, and just real quick, I, there was um, you're talking about quantum science. I love that because I had I had uh, Dr. Goswami, who's a you know quantum physicist, on several times. I, and his book really prompted my interest in it. But um, you know, the, there's that uh, the quantum perspective of you know um, uh, you know wave and particle. You know, it's a wave until you. So you look at it when you give it attention, it becomes a particle. And and then there was a just a, an article I read the other day. And it got to be a little heavy for me, but but the idea was that you know if there are parallel universes and there's a particle, does um, you have a, a wave and a particle? Does does putting attention to the particle or to the you know does it your attention to the particle in your universe? negate other particles i mean it was just it was just weird so anyway i was like wow this quantum thing is but anyway it, it, it's just one of those things i think that there's you know we're open like you say you know you know a lot of what happened for you was when you're open and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, just the important factor to be open to ideas Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you were talking about yeah. that and it just made me think, you know, we always hear about raising our vibration. Um, you know, you probably heard this. But mm-hmm. I was, right. somebody introduced me to this YouTube video about um, they took like this metal tray and they poured salt on it. Have you heard this? And then different sound frequencies, they would actually play these different sound frequencies and the salt would actually rearrange itself into these beautiful patterns. Designs. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's a power to raising our vibrations <laughs> on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. I know it. I know it. And lower vibrations, okay. <laughs> Not to discriminate, <laughs> but uh, yeah. to be able to experience different levels. So, Well, this has really been a, a treat, Judy. I really want to thank you for your time. And now, if, if for, for people who are listening, who would you feel are the, you know, people who would benefit most? I'm, I'm obviously everyone could benefit because it could be applied, you know, the lessons that that you talk about and the exercises you provide can apply to everyone. But in particular, like a subset of, of who would be, you know, really excited to read the book. So it's anyone who's felt different, like they didn't belong. Anyone who felt incomplete, always searching for someone or something to make them feel whole. Anyone who's ever felt unworthy. Um, because I really truly believe that by learning to let go of our stories, we could truly emerge and appreciate the magnificence of who we truly are. So if anyone has ever suffered from that, because I have, um, I feel that the story will benefit them greatly. Well, that's great. Well, thank you, uh, Judy, for your time. Now, I, I do I do recognize that on, on your website that you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so people can join you there. Um, I think I followed you on two of the three, and I'll do the third in a short while. But um, so people use those platforms, they can follow you there. Um, and any any maybe final word for the listeners? You know, it's just something that you said before. You know, once our perspective changes, everything changes. Our life changes. We can no longer look at life the same way. So 
What if life is one huge interconnected puzzle with no wrong pieces, each piece perfect and part of the whole? Once we start to see that, we can let go of the stories of feeling different or incomplete. We could really realize the perfection of who we are and who, we, um, and who the universe is. So I welcome people to, to pick up a copy of Perfect because um, I hope it touches their heart. I know that it's opened mine. Great. Well, thank you again for your time, Judy. I really appreciate your sharing with us. It's been an absolute pleasure, Robert. I enjoyed speaking with you. Okay, thank you again, everyone. My very special guest today has been Judy Miller. We've been talking about her new book, Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. And again, you can find out more about Judy by visiting her website, which is judymiller.net, and that's J-U-D-I, Miller.net. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, Visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.